I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as you can tell, now I'm usually in a chipper mood, but I'm in a super chipper mood this time because we have one of our all-star guests back again. It's the forever knowledgeable Mr. Mike Spofford. Mr. Mike, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. Mike, you, you look, your job is one of those jobs where it could have been over and you could have been, well, not over, but you know, you could have sort of been unwinding a little bit, but your job has been catapulted into the playoffs along with the Packers. But this is what I, I, we know how the Packers are playing and we might get to that uh, a little bit. But what I'd love to know from you, Mike, is, is how are you, Mike? How has your job been for this whole season? It must be full of highs, full of lows. Must have been some days where you were like, oh, Jesus, I cannot open up the email because I don't know what I'm going to find in there. How was it for you? <laughs> yeah, I tell you, it's been uh, it's been quite the roller coaster because, uh, as you know, um, my uh, coworker, Wes Hodgowitz and I, we answer uh fan emails pretty much every day in our insider inbox column on Packers.com. And, and, uh, you know, when the team loses four games in a row in November, there's, uh, (laughs) um, you know, a lot of angry folks out there and people asking, you know, what's wrong and who should be benched and who should be fired and everything. And then, you know, things turned around after Thanksgiving and, uh, this team got in a roll and, and six in a row now and NFC North champions, which is, uh, exactly what uh you know everybody figured the packers would be at the start of the year i just don't think anybody predicted that this would necessarily be the path that they would take to get to that division title but uh, all that matters now is uh the packers are in the playoffs so the team's riding high and uh, you got a big game here with the giants on sunday oh yeah and of course if anybody out there uh, is living under a rock and they're not listening to your podcast which you deliver practically every day so every working day i'm going onto the commute and i'm listening to yourself and where's great chemistry unbelievable information as usual uh they need to get on that but you know stuff that you were talking about in your podcast recently was is that this giants game we can't be going back five years 10 years 20 years and looking at what happened back then you know you just come up with this sort of stat where uh, i think there's only five players on each team still there from uh, the loss uh five years ago and then you know you're you're sort of looking at some of them are long snappers so <laughs> uh, isn't that the case that we can't be because the Packers have that right they have a bit of a bogey team for a few years and then it goes away the Seahawks came smashed us we sort of got retribution over those we bet them uh, you know uh, we own them now so that's great and that same happened for the 49ers where it was a heated event where you know Colin Kaepernick had to wear clay matches like a necklace <laughs> and then you know we got our own back on them do you think the Giants are a boogie team for us or is it so distance in the past now that who cares I mean that's the thing. I think the I think the idea of the Giants and and what they've done coming into Lambeau Field in the playoffs within the last decade, it's it's a big deal to the fans, no question about it. That uh, you know, I mean, the, both of those losses, the, the NFC Championship game nine years ago in the freezing cold, and then uh, you know the the game that knocked out the 15 and one Packers team five years ago. Those are both devastating losses. I mean, just just devastating for the fan base, no question. Um, but as far as these players are concerned, um, you know that uh, that those games have absolutely no bearing on what's going to happen on Sunday afternoon. The the Packers have had all kinds of success over the years against the Giants in the regular season. It's just been um, being able to beat them in the playoffs. And uh, you know, as as you said, and as as we've talked about earlier in the week, 
there, there are so few players, you know, just a handful of guys on each team that were part of that, uh, the game from five years ago that, uh, that there's really just no, there's no relevance to it. Um, as far as the players are concerned, yes, it matters for the fans and this would be a, a, a tremendously cathartic experience, I think for the fans yeah. to be able to beat the giants in the playoffs at Lambeau field. Um, and, uh, so hopefully the Packers can pull that off. Yeah, because there's no doubt about it. We have got the eyes and the ears and everything else of, I mean, it's really the media and the, the NFL media worldwide now that, you know, we've went on this run. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looks like a mystic that he can just come out and say, we're going to run the table and it happens. I wish he would turn around and say to me, Steve, you're going to win the lotto because I would put my money on it that that would actually come true. But Mike, can you tell us now, uh, you know, hindsight is is twenty twenty. And what happened, Mike? I mean, because we, we went through that turret period. Aaron Rodgers comes out and makes a statement because confidence doesn't make your wide receivers get open and confidence doesn't make you do things. Like, uh, there was a story I heard of a guy. He went to uh, he went to Asia and he saw all the little street stalls and he saw all the local people eating from the stalls and he was told, don't do it. You know, they lead it with confidence, but you, you don't do it because your stomach won't agree with you. He said, no, no, I'm going to be confident with it. I'm just going to go over it, dip in, get some dip, get some chicken, eat it. It'll be fine. I'll be confident with it. I'll just, just take it as it comes. He said he was never more sick. He was on death's door. He said, your stomach doesn't care how confident you are. If you're going to get sick, you're going to get sick. And that's similar to this situation where it doesn't matter how confident the Packers are that they're going to turn their season around. It doesn't make your wide receivers get open or people scheme for you any different. So what actually did happen there? Do you think it is? There? Do you think confidence plays a bigger part than we, than we believe? Or do you see behind the scenes that the Packers made some schematic changes that has really bolstered their season and made us look like Super Bowl contenders now? Well, I think what I what I would say is from a schematic standpoint, I don't I don't think it's been so much schematic changes, hmm. but I think what we've seen is the is the supporting cast around Aaron Rodgers has develop some consistency in terms of who's out there and who's contributing every week. I mean, you look back through the bulk of the season, how much was Ty Montgomery doing? How much was Aaron Ripkowski doing? How mm-hmm. much was Jared Cook doing? Those guys are huge parts of the offense right now. Um, and you combine that with the fact that Jordy Nelson is now so much farther removed from his knee injury that cost him all of 2015. He's looking much more like his old self. And, uh, um, and then, you know the momentum obviously that 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 Rodgers has generated with this hot streak has has carried a long way but also on on the defensive side of the ball you've gotten some guys back healthy that uh, that weren't playing before i mean Clay Matthews and Nick Perry are still trying to play through injuries but having them out there on the field and and then being able to do what they can do um still beats them not playing at all and so there's been a little bit more stability there now the packers are obviously still dealing with some injuries in the defensive backfield right now with the cornerbacks and and trying to uh trying to get you know some guys healthy for this game coming up against the Giants but it's just been a combination of uh of a lot of things and and uh you know as far as Aaron Rodgers run the table comment I mean he felt after the Washington game that the offense was really starting to click it was starting to come together they started that Washington game with three straight three and outs and then they got rolling they they uh and and really um weren't really stopped until uh, I believe it was Cook had a fumble late in the fourth quarter when the Packers were down by a couple touchdowns and trying to get back within one score again. Um, 
but he felt that that was really a turning point for the offense. And, uh, and he just believed that if, if the offense was going to be able to continue to play like that and actually give the defense a lead, um, and, uh, uh, you know, give the defense a little bit of breathing room that, uh, that they might be able to perform a little bit better as well. And, and some of these games will start to turn into victories and, and, uh, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, um, but, um, but certainly a lot of it in, in this league, it's, it's a quarterback driven league. And when your quarterback is playing well, you have a chance to beat anybody. And Aaron Rodgers isn't just playing well right now. He's playing fantastically well to, uh, to have a passer rating of uh, over 120 over a stretch of six games is, uh, is, is really pretty remarkable. So, uh, you know, you hope he can keep it going. Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced that Aaron Rodgers is human. I don't know if there's any <laughs> tests that have been done, but I think that they need to be done because I don't think it's it's just not natural. But uh, one thing that sort of stuck out to me with Aaron Rodgers and with Mike McCarthy and with most of the players, I think Clay was the only one to come out and say, yeah, it was kind of on us. But I mean, is there a sense and does it bolster the team and how much do they listen to, uh, you know, fan criticism, media criticism? Do players pay attention to that in your experience? You know, am I reading too much into it when I hear Aaron Rodgers' press conferences and think some of the comments are a bit barbed maybe, kind of like that she didn't believe in us and here we are. So, you know, I mean, it, do they do they focus on stuff like that, Mike, or is that just me being hypersensitive? I, I wouldn't say they focus on it, but they definitely hear it and they're definitely aware of it. I mean, in this in this day and age of, of the internet and everybody being able to read things on their phone and with social media and Twitter and everything else, I mean, you you literally have to shut yourself out um, from most of the world if you're not going to hear some of it. And um, so they you know they were aware of all the criticism that was out there and uh um and they wanted to obviously just just turn things around and and i think you know they really turned inward and and said hey okay you know all that matters is what's here in the locker room you know this is this is our job this is what we have to do let's let's go out there and do it and the other thing i would say too to follow up on the the, the previous question is um and something i'm writing about actually for um, a column I'm posting on the site on uh, Saturday is that uh, um, you look at you look especially say at at this Detroit game last Sunday night. You know, not everything went super smoothly in that game, especially on offense. There were penalties. Uh, um, you know, there were some missed assignments, some some things that were going wrong. Yet they were able to overcome those things and still put up 31 points at the end of the day. You know, in order to be able to win that game and. And I think the uh, the ability to overcome some of that stuff that goes wrong during a game is another big thing that that has changed with this team. Earlier on in the season, if there was if there was a sack or if there was a penalty, it seemed like it was guaranteed to kill a drive. That 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 drive was not going to end in points because one bad thing happened because something went wrong. This team now is able to is is able to shake off some of those things that go wrong and and overcome them and still get the results that they need at the end of the drive at the end of the game you know you look at the chicago game a couple of weeks ago back to back three and outs in the fourth quarter the bears make this big rally and come all the way back and tie the game but then the back-to-back three and outs didn't just doom the offense. They come out, hit a 60-yard bomb to Jordy Nelson, you kick a field goal and win the game. That's not a game the Packers are going to win in October, November, the way they were playing back then. But they've developed a, they've developed a confidence and a belief that 
that uh, it you know Aaron Rodgers talked about it this week. It's not it's not hoping that you're going to win. It's expecting that you're going to win. And and when you have and, and that's where your your point about the confidence, your question about confidence comes in. It does matter. The 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 talent level of these players across this league is so even. The talent level amongst the teams is so even. A lot of times it really does come down to who really believes they're going to win and who's just hoping that they're going to win. And uh, um, the Packers right now, they when they take the field, they expect to win, and that goes a long way. Yeah, it's do you know what it, it seems to be. It's definitely a culture within the Packers because Gabrielle Valdez, though the VP over there. Uh, in the organization she was over with us at our london meetup um there in october and she said the exact same thing she got on the mic and she said look this is a locker room that expects to win not in an arrogant way but it's in their culture that they you know they think that they have a chance every time they're never an underdog i am conscious mike that you're probably you know busier than santa on christmas so maybe some parting words then this giants game is there one or two or three sort of snappy points that you'd like us fans to kind of focus on watch out for and then I know you said on the last podcast you're not into predicting, but does that go all all go out the window on the playoffs and you just say we're going to drop a fifty burger on them? <laughs> no, I'm not going to get into um, I'm not going to get into predictions. Sorry to to, uh, to disappoint you there. We'll but get I, you someday, you Mike. Know, we'll get you. <laughs> I was uh, you know I was looking at some statistics this week and I and um, in the insider inbox uh, this morning I posted in in the headline. I really think this game is going to come down to what happens in the red zone. I, I think both of these offenses are going to move the ball. The Giants defense is very good, but the way the Packers are playing, I expect Aaron Rodgers to be able to get first downs, move the chains, move the football. The Packers have some injuries on defense they're dealing with. The Giants are going to be able to move the ball. When you get in close, are you going to settle for touchdowns or field goals? The Giants have the number one defense in the league in the red zone. They've only allowed touchdowns 39.5% of the time in the red zone, which is best in the league by far. There's only one other, one other team in the entire league that's under 45% in that category. So when the Packers get in close, they have to be able to finish drives because the, because the Giants have done what they've done and they finish number two in the league in scoring because they make teams kick field goals. Um, on the flip side, the Packers uh, defensively have not been all that strong in the red zone, but it's been stops in the red zone that uh, that have really helped to to turn some games around. I mentioned the Chicago game a, a couple of weeks ago. The Bears are going to take the lead late in the fourth quarter with a third consecutive touchdown if the Packers don't get that stop inside the five-yard line and make them kick a field goal. The Packers' defense is going to need to make those kinds of stops on, on Sunday as well. I really think this game comes down to uh, which team finishes drives and which team has to settle for field goals. Yeah. Well, definitely, Mike, something to look out for. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on again. Hopefully, you'll become a regular. If we can steal you away from the Packers podcast, we'll definitely try. <laughs> but uh, for, all right. for now, Mike, thanks so much for all your time. All right, you bet. Thanks for having me. So it's going to be hard to follow that, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm going to do it anyway. So it's almost like the, you know, Packers unscripted. It's We've got Wes Hotkovitz on the line. Wes, can I, <laughs> can I introduce you with this line? And it, it's going to give me goosebumps if I say... Steve did the NFL over here. It's Wes Hotkowitz over there. How about that? Do I, can I can I take Mike's place? Is that possible? Can I that, audition? That definitely, yeah, that definitely makes me feel like I'm, you know, right at home right now. You know, right, right, right in the 
right in the, the, the spot. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, that's a tough act to follow. Hopefully uh, I won't disappoint you guys here. Not at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> when it comes down to it, uh, Wes, actually, if you could pick a Packer player that Mike would represent, who would it be? Who would you be and who would he be? Would you be the twinkly-eyed rookie in comparison to, to Mike, or how, how would you play it? Yeah, who would I be? That's a great question. Because I'd... I, I don't think very highly of myself, so I don't want to really <laughs> insult anybody. Um, right. You know, I'm pr- I'm probably like a Micah Hyde okay. type of player, where it's yeah. like, you know, I just I just try to do everything, you know, just yeah. kind of a grinder and, you know, <laughs> jack of all trades. Um, Mike is definitely like a Jordy Nelson. Right. He uh, He's all-knowing. He, uh, you know, he's as good of an editor <laughs> as I think I've ever worked with, and, oh. and he's extremely versatile. So I... I'd have to say he's more of a Nelson and I'm probably more of a Micah Hyde. Good. I'm not going to try and make comparisons and make it weird. Like he had a down year last year and you're saying he's come back. <laughs> he's the comeback journalist of the year. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. But listen, no, Wes, no, th- sure. th- thanks for joining us. We know you're really busy. You and Mike running around, uh, you know, all season, really all day. But let me ask you, it's the same question that I put to Mike, um, especially because, you know, this has been a whirlwind year, I'm sure for you, with joining the Packers officially, you know, getting onto Packers.com, releasing articles. What has this year been like for you? Forget about the Packers for a while, because we've seen the Packers go from sure. highs to lows to incredible highs. How can you sum it up for yourself? Was it as insane as you expected? You know what's funny? Uh, 2013 prepared me for chaos, and, and I think I could cover the NFL for 30 years, and I don't think I'm ever going to see a more chaotic year than 2013, just because of everything that happened. I mean, that was the, you know, you had... Rogers and the weekly updates with the collarbones or Michael Finley had this career ending neck injury. Uh, Randall Cobb broke his leg in Baltimore. That was as crazy of a season as I've ever covered. Matt Flynn comes back and a week <laughs> later is the starting quarterback. Yeah, so, the I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, from that perspective, uh, I, I, it's going to be really hard to have a year that matches up with that. But that being said, in, in the transition that I made joining Packers.com, uh, it's definitely been a big year of transition and in seeing, uh, I, I don't know if a team has ever evolved, at least a Packers team that I've covered evolved as much as this year's team did starting with where they were week one and what they ended up being now going into the playoffs. Uh, it, it's night and day. It's, it's entirely different ball clubs. And, and I think that's a positive thing and it shows you the evolution of a team over a season, but, but some of that has been forced due to injuries and, and other stuff just based on opportunity. And was it difficult Wes? I mean, to go to work and, you know, get to that insider inbox and see Packers fans disintegrate because we saw an awful lot of it uh, at the UK Packers. We got people, you know, we do a podcast twice a week and we couldn't get away from an episode that we had to do on should the coaches be fired? Now, again, we said no. But like the thing is, is that how do you approach that when you hear these fans? Like we got it. We got people saying bench Rogers, it's time to trade him while he still has some value and and play humbly. I mean, how crazy does it get? And how how do you... Because I, I sort of equate it to... It's like being a psychologist. I don't know how you sit down on a couch and take all of that hurt and not be affected by it. Was it incredibly right. difficult sometimes to keep, turn on your laptop and your computer and go, oh boy, here we go? Oh, unbelievably so. Mm. I think, And I think that's a great analogy you use there as far as the psychology of it. Yeah. Um, there were so many times, especially during that four-game losing streak, that I think all that people wanted to do is just talk about what changes need to be made. It it was just, and I understand it's a reactionary thing and you have a week to think about these losses and it ended up being a month. So people, you know, they, they want answers, they want change, they want things to get better. And, and I've read those same questions that you did in terms of, 
yeah, they need to trade Rodgers and it's Hunley's time now. And it's like, are you serious? And I think the one thing that really annoyed people a lot, at least when I was doing the inbox, I can't speak for Mike, is a lot of times, you know, I tried to tell them that, hey, listen, it's cool. It's your prerogative. Most of you are just nameless, faceless commenters that like to shout into the void about, you know, how things are going wrong. But if you're covering the team or specifically if you're on the team and coaching the team, you have to be a lot more consistent because three games, four games do not define a season. They, they heavily shape it, but it doesn't ultimately dictate what could be. So, um, it's been, a, let me just put it this way. It's been a lot easier, uh, opening up the inbox these last two or three <laughs> weeks than it was in the middle of November, because I know a lot of people were really, really panicking at that point. You know what? It's pretty strange, especially here at the UK Packers, when we know the people that have came in and said to us, get rid of Rogers. And then we see them tweet out, uh, Ryan says it on the podcast. We see them tweet out a picture of Aaron Rogers with the goat <laughs> emoji saying greatest yes. of all time. Thinking, mm, hold on a second. Uh, but yeah. as, as hard as it was for, you know, us as fans and journalists and for yourself to come in and see the insider inbox, what was the attitude like in the Packers locker room? Were they listening to the criticism and could you feel it really weigh down on the players or are they insulated to a certain degree where just don't read it? Well, I think the one thing I think everybody understands, and Mike McCarthy's been upfront about this over the years too. I mean, everybody reads everything. Everybody watches everything. They might not do it directly, but their their spouse does, their, their mom does. I mean, this stuff all comes back to the surface. Uh, in some shape or form. We're human beings. It's only that's the natural thing. If somebody writes about how terrible of a writer I am, yeah. as much as I don't want to hear it, probably I, my eyes are still going to gravitate towards it. So um, I, I don't think that affected them, though. That was the big key is that you talk about Mike McCarthy and how positive he was during that stretch. Uh, that was the most astounding thing to me. I wrote about I wrote stories about it during the losing streak when it wasn't apparent that they were going to pull themselves out of this is how positive he was. And that message really resonated with the locker room, the run the table message from Rogers. I think the big key was, especially from McCarthy's perspective, is he, he said so many times during those that month long stretch that he's seeing what he wants to see in practice. It's not equating to wins. But he's seeing them do the things that they need to do, and it was important not to forsake that because when you do have those losses piling up, it can be really easy to panic. It can be easy to switch the ship, and then that's where you can really see things go downhill. The Packers didn't do that. They rallied around their team, and now here they are, 10-6 and six with a, you know, 1-12 in 12 chance, just like everybody else have taken home the Lombardi Trophy. Absolutely. I think as fans sometimes, and I know you cover it professionally, so you'd have you know a real expert view of it. You'd be looking behind the plays, talking to the players. You'd know the coaches intimately, how they're feeling. But from fans, it's very easy to get carried away. And we almost got carried away in the sense of like, you know, you get into that sort of blind state of panic. But let me ask you this, Wes. I've been in jobs before, not the one that I'm in now, but I was in a previous job where... Uh, I was on a team and it was going really well and then all of a sudden it started to fall apart because people kept leaving and sure. you know some people were going to different teams and then other people whatever whatever story was happening and it looked like the team was just disintegrating around themselves and it really shows the metal of a character to be able to sort of work through that can we talk for a second about Joe Witt I mean how was yeah. he not absolutely going crazy because he had no power over his, his cornerback core is just disintegrated even now it's not too well what have you seen out of him and what does the cornerback situation look like for us now is it promising have they managed to schematically do something to make us be able to contain someone like Odell Beckham right yeah to the first part of your question I think out of 
really every coach uh, that I've dealt with uh, in Green Bay. I mean, my respect for Joe Witt is just off the charts. And I thought one thing that really spoke to him as a coach, uh, there was a story I wrote last, I want to say it was when I was still at the newspaper, I want to say it was maybe February or March, about just basically praising, it was a positive, you know, fluffy type story, praising uh, Witt for the job he's done when you look at Sam Shields and Tremont Williams and, and, and Charles Woodson. I mean, if my memory serves me correctly, I want to say he was like a year or two younger than Woodson when he became his position coach in Green Bay. Yeah. And it's remarkable the production he's gotten out of guys that aren't first-round caliber guys, that were late-round draft picks, that you really had to teach the position. And after I posted the story and, and the Press-Gazette tweeted it out, it was like maybe a little bit, maybe eight or six, seven, eight hours later, Charles Woodson on his own Facebook page actually ended up tweeting out the story and wow. saying, hey, you got to read this. This is everything that's in here in terms of Joe Witt. Yeah. Um, you know, I really subscribe to that as well. And that's amazing. And the respect that he had for him uh, is it, just, it's it's incredible. And I know, I think Jason Wilde also wrote a story recently um, talking with Woodson about him as well. So now getting back to the present, this has been a real challenging year, I think, for every defensive coach, trying to find a way to make this all work. When you look at the injuries at inside linebacker, Clay Matthews, mm. Nick Perry with the with the hand injury, and then specifically the cornerbacks finally reaching a crescendo last week against Detroit with the three guys going down. Uh, Witt has had his work cut out for him. He's converted another guy to, to the position with Herb Waters, who just came up. He's been dealing with some undrafted rookies. Uh, it's been a, a trying year, but I think the one thing that, that – is is the biggest bright spot out of it is seeing how a guy like Ladarius Gunter has developed uh, a guy that played all of eight defensive snaps his rookie season. Now he's played, you know, almost nearly 900 now at this point of the year. Uh, that's what you look for. They've been tested. We'll see who's all available. We know they're not going to have Quentin Rollins on Sunday, but with Demarius Randall uh, potentially being out there, uh, they're going to need to get something together. And I think based on, you know, when you look at how, how they scheme for OBJ in the first game, I think there's a way to do it and there's a way to have success against it, but certainly there's going to have to be a lot of, a lot of scheme and help that'll probably play into trying to shut him down. Yeah, I think it'll ultimately come down to, for, from our perspective anyway, it's going to be offense against offense. I think the, you know, the defenses, I know the Giants are good, but they're coming up against Aaron Rodgers, which almost nullifies right. them to a degree, you know, it kind of brings them down a few pegs. They haven't met the bionic man yet. Um, but someone that's really impressed me, and maybe you could tell us what you think of him, especially from looking at the in-depth plays, is Jared Cook. I mean, when you look at the stats that Cook has had, it's been absolutely incredible. And the stuff, you know, the win yeah. percentage that Aaron Rodgers has when Cook is even on the field versus when he was injured, he does so much off the ball that people don't give him credit for. Would you subscribe to that opinion? I, 100%. And uh, if you go back, I think there was, I, I talked about this on our show today with Mike, uh, I think it's the football outsiders. I want to make sure I credit the right entity here. Yeah. Uh, they were they came up with a stat. When you look at the Giants' defense and how they've played against particular skill positions, I think they're like top five or top ten against every position except tight end. I think they're like 26th in the league in terms of production and yards and touchdowns. So uh, there is an opportunity here. I think, and if you factor in, if the Packers are going to make a deep run in the playoffs, I think Jerry Cook has to be a big part of it. And you've seen it. I mean, as you just kind of illustrated, looking at how this offense has operated in the five or six games, uh, whatever it's been now since he's been back, seven games now at this point, excuse me. Uh, This offense is different with him on the field. And what impresses me so much about Cook is he can be utilized in so many different ways. You can split him out. He can be a boundary receiver and be effective. You can use him in the slot. He can be an inline tight end. He's played some H-back this year. 
and yet he finds a way to stretch a defense and he finds a way to draw attention to him, and that's what opens up other things. I think when you when you look back on the season, no matter how this playoffs plays out, and you look at this last month of the year, the difference Jared Cook made uh, is really tangible, and it can be seen not only maybe not just specifically on a stat sheet, but when you look at this Packers team on film, it's different when Jared Cook's on the field. Yeah, and I mean yourself and Mike do an absolutely uh, fantastic job on your podcast, which I've said to the people around seven hundred times a day. I mean, you can listen to this stuff uh, on the commute to work. It, it keeps me company uh, through the long commute, and you do talk about Cook having to be double teamed, and, and that opens up, uh, you know, the likes of opportunities for Geronimo. But I know you're a busy man, Wes, and I don't want to keep you uh, too long. Let me begin with this stat. You probably already know it. Perhaps you've already wrote, written about it. But every time that the Giants and the Packers have met in the playoffs, whoever has won that game has gone on to win the championship. So the Giants in uh, 1938, 2008, 2012, and then the Packers in 39, 44, 61, and 62. So it could be promising that whoever makes it through this game goes the whole hog. What would be one or two little small snippets that you'd pick out to watch out for in this game? And I couldn't draw Mike into a prediction for what the actual game would come out. He said he's not a prediction, man. But Wes, I think you'd be able to give us a prediction. What do you think? Well, first off, I'm a long-winded guy. So however long you need me for, don't don't feel shy. If this is it, that's cool. But I take five minutes to answer one question. Um, starting off as far as the, the X factors are concerned... Something that really stood out to me when I was going through and looking at the stats of this contest, it's really important with the field position battle. And I know we've talked about it all year. I know it's something Mike McCarthy's been talking about since week one. Mm. But that's where the Giants are really effective. They've punted the ball 93 times this year. Brad Wing has been an active guy because the offense hasn't been able to always get those big drives going. They've had to get, you know, it's taken time for Eli Mann to get started, but their defense does a tremendous job of getting the ball back to them and keeping the field position manageable. The Packers need to win that battle in this game. I think they need to win the time of possession, and they can't let the Giants get their run uh, rushing offense going. Uh, They still don't have, I mean, yes, it's been better with Paul Perkins, but they still don't have a carry of more than 25 yards this season. You don't want to let them have that breakthrough performance now. I think that's going to be the biggest key to this game is making sure that if they're going to have any success offensively, it's going to have to go through Eli Manning, and it's also going to allow the Packers to be able to get more pressure on him. I think that's going to be a big key. As far as prediction, I also, too, am subscribing to Spop's uh, (laughs) mantra there of of not giving one. But uh, what I will say is if the Packers can once again match those sack totals, if they can get that pressure three or four sacks. I know the Giants have only given up three in a game this year, but if they can do that again, I think the Packers win this game. And I will say this, I think the Packers can do that. And I am definitely leaning towards Green Bay in this one. Oh, we love it. We love a good prediction. Even if you don't, I hate giving scores because it's like trying to pick the I'm so bad with scores. And, 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 and it's funny, like I used to have to do that when I was at the newspaper. Like yeah. I always, okay, give a, give a score. And I was always like, I always felt like every week I was doing 24 to 20. And then I went back and thought about it. And I'm like, how often is a game actually ending yeah. 24 to 20? You know, it just, I, I never predicted, uh, you know, some of these games 38 to, you know, eight or, you know, or what it was a couple of weeks ago, 31 to 25. I, yeah. So yeah, no way. I'm not too big on the score side of things. No, do you know what I'm scared of? I'm scared I'll pick a score that isn't actually possible, mathematically possible. And they're like, what? They're sort of going to score two safeties, really? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's why I stay away from 41 to four or something like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, seven to one. Hold on there a second. Um, so listen, Wes, I'll tell you what, if we squeeze one more question out of you, what I'd love to yeah. know is, is look, when all is said and done and the Packers, we are to go to the, the Super Bowl and we bring Lombardi home, what does the off-season entail for you? Is it a wind-down session for you or is that when you sort of start to tie up some loose ends and keep trying to truck on? How will that work for you? Yeah, it's been weird. Uh, the 2016 was a strange year because I only, and I say only, I'm sure there's a lot of people who go an entire year don't take any vacation at all. I only took one week of vacation last year because when I, I, I went from the Press Gazette, I started here on April 25th, mm. and then I ended up like taking one week the rest of the way until the season started because I had to learn everything yeah. uh, on this side of it. So I'm hoping it'll be a little bit uh, quieter uh, once, you know, We'll see. We'll have to see where the playoffs take us. You know, if it's if we get into February here, you know, you make a Super Bowl run. Well, then it's like a week later you have the NFL scouting combine. So uh, that definitely can eat into an off season. But whatever the case may be, the, the fun part is, and I've had this conversation with a lot of my colleagues, is it's like when you go this long, when you covered a team day in and day out for this long, it's like you might as well just keep it going at that point. You know, <laughs> it's like. You, you've gone four or five months every day and, and yeah. telling your wife, okay, see you in the morning and then not <laughs> seeing her until 11 o'clock. Yeah. Um, it, that, that's just, that's just kind of the way that the NFL season winds. So, uh, I think it, let me put it this way with how the Packers finished the season, it was fitting that they got this opportunity. Yeah. I think it would have felt really, uh, if, if they wouldn't have made it, uh, regardless of what the outcome was or how things played out, it, it would have felt weird because it just this team felt like a playoff team by the end of the year, and it felt like a team that should be making a run. So um, I'm happy to cover them. I'm happy to still be busy. Uh, but yeah, hopefully at some point uh, we'll have a chance to to downshift a little bit and and uh, you know do some other stuff. The one thing I have planned, I think uh, June 30th, I'm going to be going to like Con of Thrones. Oh yeah, uh, they're going to do a Game of Thrones Comic Con in Nashville that I want to go for. But otherwise. Um, fully planning to be here and, and keep running, writing. So Damn, you got my hopes up. I was thinking you're going to go, well, I'm coming to the UK. And I'll be like, oh, brilliant. <sighs> oh, that's a session. That's an absolute Dude, session to be had. I was hoping this year might be the year, but the wait continues. Um, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I don't have the bankroll to, to be financing myself <laughs> over there. So Yeah. Uh, but you wouldn't so buy we'll, a drink. We'll have to wait. You would not buy a drink. Can you come over? Convince the wife. Say to her, <laughs> all drinks are paid for. Food, we'll have to get ourselves. Come on, it's Ireland. But yeah. it's most mostly about the drinking but uh Wes, yeah, look it, it's been a pleasure to to listen to you on the podcast nearly every day to read your articles uh online and to have you on the podcast and thanks for the support throughout the year you've been an absolute gentleman uh keep repping and hopefully you don't get that prima donna kind of attitude and uh you know <laughs> yeah you stay humble <laughs> definitely bud well thank you so much it's always great talking to you so that's where we'll conclude I'm afraid so look there's nothing else we can tell you there's nothing else we can tell you it's Packers Unscripted meets the UK Packers podcast what a treat look let's go into this playoff game let's get the W let's move on and let's run all the way up to Lombardi uh, myself and Ryan will be back in the studio we're gonna post review the game hopefully the other pre-game podcast will come after that but from myself at NFL on Twitter give me a follow follow the group at UK Packers he's not in studio but give at Ryan Peacock NFL a follow and we'll see you after the Giants game